You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. Pogues, groovy to be here. It's fantastic to be on another episode where we break down the complicated world of... Oh, Pogues, I can't. This, I, this, this, one's, this one's a rough one, dude. I, I feel like any episode that begins with you saying... I'm glad to be back. It's usually a movie that's terrible. I feel like that's that's the code. <laughs> Anybody who listens, if you go back Look, and whenever he's like, I'm glad to be back, it's followed by how angry he is that he has to do this. I'm glad to be back. My rage knows no bounds. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a... Uh... Boy, I don't even know. Well, you know what? It, it, let me let me uh, stem it off for you. The real the real short short, in case you didn't listen to the mini episode, is that um, if you're at all a, a comic book aficionado, you might have heard of uh, Mike Allred's uh, Mad Men or graphic music or or whatever uh, 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 Static X, uh, the Atomics. Um, he's got a very notable style. It's simultaneously retro and kind of new agey it's very it's very exceptional art style that uh, a lot of a lot of illustrators praise um he's also known for being like a, a total absurdist uh leaning on weird kind of campy storylines that might have um been the heyday you know in like the the 40s or something um and he's all around just a very interesting creator um if i told you that he had an ad- if there was an adaptation an unapproved adaptation i believe of one of his uh, storylines from one of his comics featuring fucking or starring uh, William Forsythe, Tate Donovan, and featuring Bobcat Goldthwaite and and Robert Goulet. Yeah, this, um, there was a lot of... Uh, and Gary Busey's in it? G- Gary Busey, yeah. Which was you, would probably be, you would probably be excited by that prospect because that sounds like either the most amazing piece of strange like fiction art that you could expect or just a cavalcade of nonsense that you could just enjoy the ride on uh i'm i'm sad to reveal that it's fucking neither (laughs) what are you talking about yeah it was um we chose to watch this movie like basic based off of a a clip we saw and i was like oh that looks really funny it's gonna be so weird and then we watched it and it it was a movie (laughs) it just was sort of I don't know. It was very weird. It, it, it's super fascinating because I made the realization partway through watching this movie that this is based on what the one of the first things I read from from Mike Allred. Uh, one of his it, it's it's off a four issue run in Mad Men, which um, I think I borrowed from a friend or or maybe I just like took this these issues from the library because they were around or something like that. I just got this like incongruous like storyline and even though all red stuff is already hard to follow because characters will just appear in one frame and the reaction from the existing characters is oh interesting it's cheetah man uh yeah (laughs) that's already how he writes so when you jump into the middle of a story it's even more confusing but i remember like being so fascinated with that storyline reading it over and over and just being like captivated by the art and and so 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 drawn to the curiousness of it um and the self-assured abstractness of it that it became cemented in my brain even though i went on to completely forget about it until this 
watching. And no, it wasn't because I was watching the adaptation that I realized. I was I was 20 minutes from the end when I started digging up the source material for this to read for this episode and I realized, oh my god, <laughs> this is a comic I loved in high school. I, I didn't um, even realize this was a Mad Men story. I thought this was just yes. like a, a small thing that like Allred had done for like Image or I think that's who he worked for. Dark. I think he was an Image guy. Oh, don't even get into it. It's deeply confusing. But and, yes. Yeah, because I was just like, this is so weird. And I mean, I, I knew it had to be a comic because the movie starts with a, them showing scenes yep. from the comic book. Which was, you know, fun. You get to see a little Mike Allred art. He's got a good art style. But it was, um, boy, it, it wasn't a movie, was it? So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's super interesting because, uh, like I said, I was obsessed with the absurdity of the of the comic, and it led me to this weird equip, this weird sort of consideration that I kept trying to make throughout this very bad movie, which is that why did I like this? very campy comic and and still do but have no interest in this low budget disaster movie that is for large swaths of it shot for shot i mean we're talking like this might be the most like scene by scene recreation Since, uh, yeah like like that it, we've had a real in a long time situation yeah it really is and and that didn't work for watchmen <laughs> it didn't work here and that's probably has a lot to do with why no, I think this movie didn't work for a lot of reasons, and I don't yeah, oh, think it was, it was its dedication to the source material. No, I mean because its obsession with just... It, it's a lack of creativity to just replicate scenes directly from the comic book. That does nothing for anybody. Well, I, so I, think I, think, the, I think like the issue is is so they took scenes from a comic book but had to cut out all the parts apparently that Madman was in. <laughs> yeah, right. This is a Madman comic. very hard. Madman does not appear. Um, but before we talk a little bit about what's actually in the movie, it led me to try and figure out like why I like certain things. And I think what I was trying to get at a second ago is that camp or like campy art, specifically movies, I think works because of one of three perhaps all three factors which is a a low budget as in someone was has has grandiose ideas of what they want to make in some crazy thing and or some some great like you know um some some great piece of uh, of movie making they want to do but they can't because the budget is quite low so they have to adapt and they have to do lots of really interesting things with um cinematography and set to make it work uh example that would be like evil dead there's like $12 goes into Evil Dead, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I mean, it, what comes out is this really campy thing because the person behind it is passionate. The other is, um, the other is just that, that the person is just has such an insa- insane creativity that even if their creation is plotless and has barely anything that would take you from scene to scene in terms of narrative, if it's so wildly out there and creative... That's enough to captivate you. A good example of that would be the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Super camp. There's no story. The characters run out of gas and go to a party. That is the storyline. <laughs> like, it doesn't go any further than that. But it's incredible, right? And then the last one is accidental camp, which is when you meant to do something really profound, but you're not talented. <laughs> so you made something really garbage, but it's so charmingly bad that people like it like uh the room right like uh, mm-hmm. 
But this could has the makings of all three of those because it's low budget. It's based on a very abstract, very creative piece of piece of uh, of co- comic book material, and clearly the person doing it has no talent, and yet somehow it's an absolute disaster and waste of time. It's fascinating, really, really. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what part of it is is like. So much of this movie, like, at the end, there's, like, a weird part where there's a murder mystery at the end, and they're, like, going through the people who it could have been, and as I was watching it, I was like, I don't even know who some of these people are. Like, I don't remember them being in the movie. I don't really understand what this, like... Hercule Poirot uh, denouement scene is, in which, like, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I I was so confused by the movie, and it, it felt like... You said maybe it was their their desire to just do what was in the comic, but like they never really explain who the cat guy, who the leopard is, why he dresses as a leopard. They show him with his, I assume, wife or girlfriend. She's never in the movie again. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck she was in. Like I don't know what the scene are... where he's on like the stairs and she's talking to him because it's like what is going on? This guy, there are... this character has just been seen in the. Shadows. You know what it reminded me of? It's, <laughs> I hate to, to be too referential, but do you know in the episode of Rick and Morty where um, Garbage Goober is introduced? <laughs> yes, and 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 he just appears to be an affectation of you know Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland's like like mind of just like oh this monster comes out and eats garbage and then at some point we cut to his girlfriend being like please don't eat garbage you're a doctor yeah you have a phd (laughs) that's that's what it was but like on purpose you know not not done in a in in a jokey way (laughs) yeah exactly like where this is like that was like a bit to be like hey here's a character we just introduced but he has a backstory it's this was like here's a character and here's one eighth of a backstory yeah, it never it, pays off. That's like, I think that was the problem. I'm watching this, like now that we're talking about it, is there's so many things that like come up, and then never really pay off. They're just sort of pointless. Yeah, it is strange because um, Cheetah Man in the comics also does that very same thing, uh, not the wife thing, but he also appears out of thin fucking air. He, he absolutely just appears and starts helping, and no one knows who he is or what his motives are. Now, of course, this being a comic series, he reappears in many issues. I think, I think a total of 20 issues. So eventually he gets development. So that's the problem when, you know, it's one thing if you're going to redo Watchmen, but Watchmen is an A to B graphic novel like it has a story and end yes yeah yeah thing. it has a, it has a beginning a middle and an end and they if you pick who everybody is in the context. four issues of any comic whether it's spider-man super doesn't matter if you pick four issues and base a movie around it that doesn't fucking work <laughs> that's why you have to adapt you have to adapt the yeah, material was, like him he was weird he was just like out of nowhere why they needed the one guy who was like Satan's assistant, who was like let's, offensively let's, Hispanic? Let's uh, start for a minute where this movie kicks off because okay, yeah. again, there's an immense promise here, right? Because we're sitting down for a Madman, uh, a, 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 a Madman run that's being adapted uh, by a Coppola. <laughs> well, I, the, the clip we saw <laughs> is a robot picking up two dudes, and then a guy in a cat suit throws a microwave at his head, and I was like. This is going to be a great movie. It's it's it you really think so, it's huh? Based on Mike already, you know, he's like 
when you read Madman, it is an insane comic. Like, yeah, characters doing... do all the time just like appear and they're just like, oh, hi. And it, it's as if you're supposed to know who this character is, but they've never introduced him until that moment. So I get that, but like, and so I thought it was going to be great, but then, boy, did it not deliver. <laughs> yeah, you would have to lean extremely hard. Kind of like, I, you have to do like what like the uh, Wachowski like, you know, uh, sisters did with, with Speed Racer. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, absolutely press the accelerator down into that world. And even if it comes out as a disaster, or not a disaster, I've never seen it, but but the point being is that you go full tilt into the material to get but, the right... That's the thing is, this guy went full this tilt. This is not full tilt. But then forgot to make a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He got the part, the homage part down. He basically just filmed people in cosplay and forgot to give them story and lines that in a plot that was coherent. So two things are very surprising when this movie kicks off. The amount First, of like '90s era actors that are in it. <laughs> the amount of '90s era actors is like off it was like chain. Vanessa Angel, Carrie Wooer. I was like Jesus, it's just like go it's down the list. Utterly insane, and I can't imagine what their lives were like reading the script notes and be like, huh? Um, I, I but... <laughs> think their lives at that point were just like, yeah, I have a house payment. I really hope that there's a there's somewhere there was a moment in time where William Forsythe. Oh, turned the page of the script and then says, and then Cheetah Man enters. And then he just closes the script for a minute and pours a glass of whiskey and well, just sort of paces around his study for a moment. But like one of the first <laughs> notes I have after I enjoy the Mike Allred art, the 90s actors was, why in God's name did Robert Goulet say, yeah, I'll do this movie? Like, uh, I that... they paid him money, but I just don't understand, like, how did they even go to, I, I mean, I guess the devil has a mustache. And so they were like, what what, what person in the world has a mustache? Like, there's no reason for it to be Robert Goulet. It was just... And then for him to have said yes is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you said, too, they, I mean, he could have made, like, four grand. You know what I mean? This movie, the budget of this movie could not have been big. So he had to be paid almost nothing to be in it. So it, I just... Maybe he's a huge comic book fan, and I just don't know it. But it was just such a weird choice. No, absolutely. I, I mean, again, just to get people under, understand how high my my hopes were at the beginning, because we open up on yeah this cavalcade of '90s, mostly very serious '90s actors, with the exception of of Bobcat. This is like these are like serious actors, actors who do serious roles and rarely do comedies, and they're all like <laughs> these two like 1930s dressed detective looking motherfuckers. Are, are are sitting outside of Satan's office while he does therapy. Which, I gotta say, for a person who's most likely gonna go to hell and has serious mental health issues, I'm excited to know I can still get therapy down there. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, was the, that was my one takeaway. I was like, oh, maybe I won't be so bad. Uh, but the first thing that took the wind out of my sails here is that the audio quality was like, um, were you ever asked to do like a video sometime in high school for like a class? And oh, like yeah. you and your friend took a chunky old VHS recorder out in the yard and recorded like some dog oh, shit thing that, lot, got a, a that got you a that got you a C minus? No, yeah, I if, always got A's. They were quality productions <laughs> about the Crusades. If you took that audio and then sort of like, 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 sank that vhs tape in a bathtub 
and then retrieved it. That's about as well as they recorded the audio it for sounds, the lines what, in this movie. What, yeah, in the beginning, his dialogue sounds like uh, if somebody's ever butt-dialed you, you know, like the phone's in, the, in their pocket, mm-hmm. and you can hear them having a conversation with whoever they're with, and you keep going, hello, and they, you just hear like, I don't think we're going to go over to there, and we should probably Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. That's like what it said, and it was like, oh, this is... What a treat. Like, rather than being captured by a boom mic, the audio is first said by Tate Donovan, then ricochets off an echoey wall, then bounces over by craft services, and then makes it around to the microphone of yeah, the camera. Yeah, the, the boom mic they put under the couch <laughs> Robert Goulet is laying on. They're like, that's how that's how sound works, right? Uh, um, yeah, so that, that's, that's the gist of the quality that you're after. I mean, the camera quality, uh, the audio, like the, the cinematography, there's nothing to be said. It's all amateur. It's all like if your friend did a movie for like a couple hundred dollars and wanted you to watch well, it, that it is was, what you were signed up for. At one point while I was watching it, I just thought, boy, I bet you like family gatherings are awkward for Francis Ford Coppola. Like that guy comes up, he's like, did you see my movie? And he's like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> I'm an Oscar winning director. I'm considered one of the best directors of all time. And this is what you're bringing me? Yeah, I, like, do you think he called him after this movie came out? I was like, you gotta change your last name. <laughs> it's bizarre because Pogues and I have, Pogues and I have covered, um, like some short films, like uh, over on our friend Mike's B Movie Mania podcast. We covered a couple of uh, of like uh, home movies made by fans about X Men or Predator and Batman and shit, and like better quality. Without question, better quality, better costumes, like, uh, than, than this thing, which is already really frustrating. So we can go ahead and cross off, uh, passionately creative from this list of what makes it camp, because it's not, it's, it's not very creative. It's not very passionate because they phoned absolutely every piece in here. It's certainly low budget. <laughs> yeah. But well, I, that's about it. I wonder if they, I wonder if we can find... Well, it, 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 if it did have a high budget, then they snorted it. Oh, Is... yeah, that's my assumption. I don't think it doesn't look like it has an estimated budget. But um, as as the two characters discover that uh, Satan keeps magical amulets that teleport you from hell in a cabinet, which, again, lifted from the comics, but strangely drawn out into an elaborate scene where they open a cabinet and ruffle through rifle through it and talk about it yeah, for a while there's a like, lot of things where i was just like boy they really could have used a an editor they, they oh yeah this movie cost six million dollars because they have to take one page of an issue and and, and, and extend hey, its length for 10 minutes this movie came out in 2000 correct what the hell <laughs> I just assumed this was, like, 1994. Like, I figured, like, this came out two weeks after uh, Mallrats. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's upsetting, man. It should be upsetting. <laughs> I just... Ugh. Um, and... And we, we begin to sort of move... As these people... As, as Tate Donovan and William Forsythe leave hell... We enter into like the real world where they begin to aggressively um, interact with a variety of characters as posts has established that are not identified. They don't have anywhere near enough dialogue despite these scenes dragging out. And they're supposed to be part of a murder mystery that doesn't really even begin to exist 
until about 20 minutes before the movie's over. The opening, again, is full of chances for them to uh, flesh out this un- Un, like 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 too short of a comic run to, to turn into a movie. Uh, one scene that stuck me stuck out uh, particularly that's uh, not from the comics is I think conservatively nine minutes are spent as they they work out the conditions of their lease for their detective's office. Oh my god! Yeah, they, when they got there and he was like, "All right, I need first month up front." Then I was like, "This is so much." Like I, I it was also. There was so much where I was like, what does this have to do with anything? Like, them having a secretary never paid off. So why was that there? You know what I mean? Like, I get maybe that's in the comic they have a secretary, so they want it. But, like, that never pays off. She never does any. She doesn't help them. You know what I mean? Like, there's never a moment where she does something that if they had written her out of the movie, you would know. And, like, why did they have to have an office? Like, were they setting this up and they thought there was going to be a sequel where they would still be, like, private detectives? Sure seems like it. It was uh, just so bizarre. Now, to be clear, in the comics, they, they, they these two uh, escape hell, and they do intend to become detectives doing good things to get their karma back in shape so that they don't end up back in hell were they ever to be, you know, reapproached by the devil. So there is some panels, quickly, of them establishing an office and finding their first client. But again... You're not just here <laughs> to use a storyboard of the original comic as your movie. You have to create. You have to You have to gestate some ideas. You have to find new dialogue because comics are pretty brief with their dialogue sometimes. You know what I mean? They just try to yeah, get yeah. through a couple scenes of exposition so they can show characters flying around and kicking each other. So, you know, you can't rely exclusively. And he did. And, and where he... Where... Where Coppola expands the, the the material for the movie is again in the lease, uh, in in the hiring of a secretary. But here's the weirdest thing, folks, <laughs> because after they've killed Bobcat Goldthwait, which also huge disappointment for me, gotta say, was excited to hear his voice. Sad to see him die. <laughs> oh yeah, he died so quick. As the police show up, uh, following this to investigate his character's murder is when we're introduced to Gary Busey, who appears, I think, here and then twice more before he yeah. just this leaves the movie? This was another reason that I assumed this movie was in the 90s, because there are some real questionable choices for jokes. Yeah, here's the fun thing. Gary Busey's character and his partner, not in the comics. Nothing to do with the comics. Not I even... wish they had followed the comics in this one instance, because instead they introduced Gary Busey's character and uh quickly tell us that he's gay and then he says something about being oh i wrote it down clad get um <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It was, to I establish was like, the scene the gary Busey and some unnamed partner enter into the scene of bobcat goldthwaite's death his body's I, gone too which i didn't understand i never did figure out what happened to his body the scientist took it and turned him into a robot uh, <laughs> how did he know he was dead I don't know, folks. Um, Gary Busey and an unnamed partner enter. The partner says, hey, I'm going to be working with you. Gary Busey, like, nods his head. And the partner then says, "I hey, I know you're gay, and I'm cool with it. He says, I know you're a gay or a homosexual. And I was like, do they need to, like, really, I don't know, redo that for us? 
And then Gary Busey grabs him by the collar, slams him against the wall, and delivers the line with as much seriousness as his very troubled brain can muster. Um, I am a sadistic leather master homosexual, and I will tease your sensibilities. I I just, in my mind, when he said that, I just thought, uh, who fucking... Because in my mind, I was like, I don't... There's no way that was from... I just don't picture Mike Allred making that bit. I don't know. Maybe nope. I need to go back and read Mad Men. But it was just no, so absolute, weird. absolutely not a, a Mike Allred idea. It's not even like a, a hint of a character. He just wrote in detectives to follow the other detectives for unknown reasons. Um, it's just it was so weird. And then uh, like later he like tries. I I think it was supposed to be like he was putting his finger up his partner's ass. Yeah, he, he sexually assaults his partner at some point. And he's like, that's sexual harassment. It's like, yes, it is. It's not funny. Uh, which, again, is supposed to be hilarious. Um, and then the movie really steps into trying to get you caught up with Mike Allred because suddenly we're introduced to a random old rich guy who's going to be murdered and we're introduced to the doctor scientist and his strange associate and a puppet. And... We're not given any attachment um, to the main characters. We're not given any kind of storyline cohesion between those characters. We're just sort of shown them briefly before we go back to the uh, 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 Mike and Mike yeah, and uh, yeah, Crypt moving into uh, their harassing office, their secretary. <laughs> and then there's a, a moving lady, and the guy's like, "Would you like a job?" And her only question is, "Can I wear a skirt?" I, I was just yeah. like, "I don't. What the fuck are these jokes?" And then. Like I said, she never, like, she's in the background of scenes later, but there's no payoff with her at all. Like, she doesn't contribute anything. She's not, like, a love interest. She's just sort of there for the scenes where she takes off her, like, moving man coveralls and is wearing, like, a pencil skirt and, like, a blouse and then just immediately becomes their secretary and is mad because the Mike Mattress, which is his name, uh is like horny for the widow or the woman who comes in it, it was just like so bizarre yeah wildly disconnected um because this old rich man is supposed to be the crux of the murder and usually in a murder mystery someone has some idea who the main person is that's being murdered or the associated people who might have done the murder. You know what I mean? When you do a, a movie like this, like Knives Out or something, you have to introduce the cast of characters that the audience will suspect. That's how these things work. Yes. But, but many of the characters that we are later There's accused... There's no way you could have figured out who did this unless you had read the comic book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's just, nothing... like At the end, sense. when he was going through the people, I was like, I don't... And two, I was like, I don't even give a shit. I don't even know who that guy was. His wife came and said, I think he's going to try to have me killed. And then they went and he was dead. And I was like, oh, I guess that sort of took care of itself. I don't really know where to go from here. This, as the movie progresses into half-baked attempts at recreating scenes from, from the comic and even quarter-baked attempts to do sort of filler dialogue... Uh, uh, it becomes clear that a lot of these scenes, when you when you write a movie, <laughs> there is usually a somewhat rigid script, and 
in certain scenarios, especially comedies, there is some improvisation room written into the script, you know? Like the like the players play with the the lines a little bit, or the scene with a little bit, or the or the delivery a little bit to find that zone, and the director usually signs off on it. That's usually how these things work. These scenes smack of, hey, this in this scene we're supposed to come into the office and you give us our phone messages, and then we move on with the plot. And then this movie was like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if you like overly aggressively adjusted your bra and then we talked about it twice, like twice like that's it feels as if they just wrote i i I don't want to say gags in here but they wrote bits in here like as they were filming the scene without actually contemplating whether or not that you know had merit to like the larger film i mean i i don't even know how to describe the laziness that happens with the with the creation of some of these sequences and it also felt like in a way it was just like they cast carrie wooer and then they're like, all right, uh, have her touch her chest a couple of times, and everybody will want to do her. And then they cast Vanessa Angel, and they were like, same thing, just do that again. Because, like, she's just constantly, like, laying around half nude. Yeah, yeah, and it, she's not de- delivered a lot of things to do. And this is this is a mistake of, like, the adaptation, too, because, you know, I, I, Allred's version is just doing sort of, like, the gorgeous dame walks in like kind of uh, uh um satire from from making fun of those kind of noir comics and these the the, the the adapter of this was like oh you mean they're hot cool you want to fuck them love it i'll do that like it's it's a total misunderstanding of what the yeah, movie would it, be it mocked feels like yeah like he read madman or madman and took like all of the wrong cues from it like just completely misunderstood the source material and was like this is gonna be amazing and i have to i i wonder i don't know maybe i can try to look that up i wonder what uh mike allred thought of this you know i saw mixed things mike allred is not like the biggest public personality um i saw some reference to him having a cameo in the movie somewhere but then i also saw somewhere that he was not at all like consulted on the movie which seems confusing for those two things to line up. And then I yeah. saw, like, some interview from Coppola saying Allred, like, gave him the thumbs up. But I think that meant, like, to me that sounded like he, we met at a party and he was like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and he was just like, I gotta get out of here before this <laughs> I gotta, person talk to me. <laughs> That's certainly the vibe that I got. Um, but there's really not much to discuss about almost anything the, rema- the remaining fucking movie. But you know what did confuse me deeply is we get one more scene of Gary Busey, again, being violently sexually aggressive towards his partner um, as they interview, you know, the dame uh, who hired the detectives in the the beginning of the film. And she just sort of gives them up instantly without any effort, which leaves her motives confusing. But that's the last, that and the, the, the following cemetery scene where they're confronted is the conclusion of Gary Busey. Yeah, yeah, he never shows... And, like, that's what's sort of weird. It's like I said, they, like, bring characters in and out, and then they just disappear. Like, here's the Catman's home life. Will we come back to that? Nah, he only really appears, like, one more time in the movie, and he's just up in the rafters of a church. You're like, oh. It's established okay. that there's supposed to be this big finale that that's brewing at the church for some reason, where... 
the various people involved in this conspiracy are supposed to be dragged or or, or apprehended or, or brought to to come to some conclusion and the police are willing to meet them there and hear their evidence before attempt deciding who to arrest and so this is all delivered at this ultimatum is delivered to gary Busey's character but during that final scene i guess he quit <laughs> that's that's i actually wondered i was like did he just like was he like i'm not doing this anymore yeah it, and it's just totally the vibe because it, they, they he's don't, just literally not in the rest of the movie and they never explain why no he just part, said oh he told me to come and he is by far like the dominant personality in that partnership that they establish you know he's he's the one delivering all the dialogue he's established to be the expert detective um uh he's he's established to be the person whose like name is on the line here but yeah, he he does not appear in the big po- yeah, Poirot finale uh, yeah. in the church, and he does not. He, he's not referenced. No one says he couldn't make it. He's no, just they do. Out I think of the they movie. do say something, and he's. The, I think his partner's like, uh, whatever his name is, couldn't make it, and that's it. I was like, that's not an explanation for why a character is just suddenly out of a movie. Ah, he was busy today. We called. He was feeling a little gassy. You know, it's like, oh, isn't this the end of the movie <laughs> like shouldn't you've got every other fucking like big character in the background i'm supposed to pretend like i care about and what what also very bummed me out is is the finale of the the, the storyline in the comics is so hilariously absurd as the doctor and the puppet guy are apprehended taking a body out of like the a, a, out of the ground the cemetery and then it's revealed the puppet has been or you know is, is doing the driving uh, uh, of this partnership and is and is and is leading to all these murders uh that leads to like this showdown between the various characters like attacking each other shooting each other the, the puppets chopped off a hand and then the puppet animates itself and tries to flee on on i would say on foot but on it's like you know on it's open like, end open cuff and then, and then the cheetah man like stabs it with a piece of like shattered, broken glass. In this one, they just they just painted a person like gray, and we're like, it's me, the puppet, but in a body because that's cheaper. <laughs> it, it was yeah, it was so weird because like at the end they yeah. were explaining the plot, and I was like, I don't disaster. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I fucking don't disaster. Care. Yeah. And then they never. It was just such a weird ending. And then, like, it just kind of wraps up. It was very bizarre. If, if it, it just ended yeah. like that, where the puppet off that guy's hand, which we, sh- we cut out, like, huge parts. There's this doctor who's Not doing worth gene it. therapy and is trying to clone people, and he makes a robot body for Bobcat Goldthwait and puts his brain in it, and then it falls apart during this really long and somewhat boring fight scene with the G-Men from hell. Uh, and he shows up at the end of the movie for some reason. He decides to come to the denouement for some reason, which I thought was an odd choice. Yeah, he's arrested there. Um, uh, and also, do you know who that guy is? Uh, the the, which, the guy who plays we... the doctor. Uh, no, no, it's uh, the the big Lebowski. Oh right, the main the main rich guy from yeah the Lebowski. The, the the character who is the big Lebowski right right he is the big Lebowski yeah yeah because yeah. I, I was like I was like that guy looks really familiar so I had to look him up but it's just so bizarre because like I said he dies and then Satan shows up and they're like oh yeah that one guy ate this crystal you wanted and he's like all right I'll take him back and he's like you guys coming with me back to hell who would voluntarily say yes 
Like, yeah, just, who would ever be like, yes, I would like to go back to the place which is synonymous with the worst place you could be. It's never like, you know, go to hell is a, like, it's like it's a helpful greeting. It and they're con- so weird. And the devil, like, the conclusion the devil gives is, fine, stay here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right, the you cent- guys don't belong The central here. conflict is just, it's just fine, the devil says. I guess I, I can't do anything. I'm Robert Goulet, bye. Yeah, um, and, and then, like, the movie just absurd. sort of wraps up. The Catman runs off. And it, it was just very bizarre. You know what, Pogues? It's nothing. Uh, it wasn't... It's worth no one's time. And it made for bad content for both watching and talking. Did you... I, I have a question I have to ask. Because this bothered me for longer than it should have. So the movie wraps up at the end. And uh, Vanessa Angel, you know, the, the that early 90s heartthrob from when she was in the weird science TV show. Uh, she's a widow and she goes to Mike Mattress and is like, oh, you know, like, why don't we go out after her? He says something about taking her out, you know, and she's, they've been like kind of flirting. And they get in the car and he says, look, I got to tell you something or I got to be honest. I like bowling. And she said, oh, I was in the bowling team in high school or something. And then he's like, you think we could find a place where there's some lanes open? And she says, yes. What the fuck does that mean? Pokes, <laughs> Is that supposed I, to be like code for sex? Or Pokes, like, I don't know. You know it, I don't know. It really bothered me because I was like, well, it doesn't make any sense. Because he says lanes open, which would be like, I guess if he was like referring to, you know, front season back seas, but i was like this just i don't get what bowling means like and i assumed it was supposed to be like a bit but it made no sense i was so confused that i was like what i rewound it because i'm like i must have misunderstood what they said and i it really bothered me i i just have written down i don't get the bowling joke and i underlined it three times no one does it really it really upset me guys i don't know why uh, so you're saying this movie is not worth watching? Is that what yeah, I Yeah, it, it's irredeemable. Based on my early treaties, this does not qualify as, as as camp, despite having some of the qualifiers of it. It's just bad. It's soulless, uncreative, ugly, <laughs> slowly plotted, stuffed with hay. It's irredeemably bad. Yeah, yeah, it, it's... I, I would say, yeah, it's probably... Even though you can watch it for free on YouTube, um, I don't really think... It was just such a letdown, because that clip was so I like, know. bonkers we, funny. We, we, we thought we had something just, like, really... And like, Robert Goulet's the devil, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be amazing. Like, they'll probably make him sing at some point. Yeah, it no. seemed like we really had some payoff coming, but we did not. Just top-down, a bad movie. Uh, I don't think I had anything else in my notes... Nope. It's worth even talking about. Too shallow for even a full-length episode. Yeah, I, it was... It was I, it was very weird. What a film. Uh, if you guys have suggestions for a comic book movie you'd like to see us do, or if you can explain that bowling joke to me, please contact us. Reach out any way possible. Uh, I need to get the bowling joke. It's going to bother me for the rest of my life if I don't. Uh, so yeah, I guess come back next week we'll tell you what movie's up next come back next week here's here's one preview it could get worse